Hey guys, it's Zara, and today I am back with another podcast, which is titled Corporation Exploitation. So this podcast was inspired by a TED Talk that I watched by Dr. Luke's called From Corporate Personhood to Corporate Humanity. And, you know, she looks at how, or she spoke about how corporations, you know, had the same rights as humans and this led to, you know, I guess, a sense of increased exploitation, the fact that they could get away with it. So the aim of this podcast is to, you know, look into the cases where corporations have exploited other other, other people in other countries, more or less, and um, how do we solve this? How do we move away from this? So to start off with, you know, I want to define what corporate personhood is. So corporate personhood is when corporations have the ability to be, you know, looked at and perceived as essentially a human being, a kind of body that has the same rights and protections and everything, any sort of right human gets, a corporation would get. And now the problem with this, the problem with giving corporations or perceiving them to have such rights and protections, etc., is that it actually undermines the rights of a natural person's And this is evident in how corporations operate unethically in other countries around the world, specifically third world countries, because this is where the trend, this is where we're seeing it most or happen most often. So I'm going to begin to start looking at some evidence of how corporations actually do exploit. And it's not it's not just people they exploit, they can exploit the environment around them, you know, just exploiting um I don't know what word to define it, but it's not just um, exclusive to people. You know, environments can be exploited and it is still a violation of the people in the sense that it's a out of, it's a um, foreign body kind of, you know, not disrespecting, but not following the rules and regulations of the country if they are set. So the first example I want to look at is in Cambodia, and this involves four quite popular brands, Nike, Puma, Asics, I can never pronounce it, Asics, excuse me what I'm wrong, I can never pronounce it, and um, VF Corporation. Now, you know, these are very big household names, household brands, and over 2016 to 2017, over 500 female factory workers in Cambodia in these factories were... um, hospitalized had to be taken to hospital and it was reported that they were working 10 hours a day six out of the seven days in a week for a minimum wage of a hundred what would be equivalent to 120 pounds now actually that 120 pounds so it just come to my head 120 pounds i think for the week that's how much they earned and i'll double check that excuse me if i'm wrong and um yeah walk 10 hours a day six six six, six days in a week at soaring temperatures of 37 degrees now first of all the first you know severe question that is being raised is allowing people to work in an environment that is you know at such extreme temperatures is very dangerous especially when you pair that with the long working hours and the long working week you know that is just a cause for disaster more or less and especially when you look at our neighboring countries such as um Vietnam, they have an actual law in place that states that workers cannot work in anything that is over or that exceeds the temperature of 32 degrees Celsius. And Cambodia, the country where these women were hospitalised, has no set limits to work in. So, you know, moving away from looking at how corporations exploit workers and people and environments, it seems that, you know, 
the countries that this is kind of most common in aren't necessarily taking measures to prevent this as well. The fact that there are no kind of regulations such as in Vietnam um, that, you know, defines and states when it is unsafe for someone to work kind of shows a lack of responsibility being taken by authority and we can actually start looking to the countries that are these countries and start being like you know why aren't you taking as much responsibility but then off the bat of that it should also be you know the corporations the way in which they work or the way in which they um what's the word practice the way yeah the way in which they practice in other countries should be monitored as well because you know someone with a moral conscience would surely be able to assess and see that making someone work such extreme lengths and hours is not healthy yet then it raises the question capital over over you know human rights and this is the problem that we're facing today so now moving on to a second example this is actually petico in kerala excuse me pronounce that wrong again in india so this is actually a geography case study we work on in school and for every one litre of coke slash pepsi that is produced three litres of water had to be used and what this caused or well, the problems that arose from this is that the area it actually experienced extreme drought however from my geographical knowledge and what we studied, the problem was actually resolved and PepsiCo did, if I'm remembering correctly, reform in the ways in which, you know, they were impacting on the environment, which is good and that is what we like to see and that is an exact example of, you know, corporate humanity. Here we have a corporation that has taken responsibility and accountability for their actions. They know what they've done has affected and exploited the environment around them in which they have really, you know, it's a privilege for them to be able to operate in another country. And they have actually changed the way in which they practice. And, you know, it's been a positive outcome. And I guess that situation there is something that we want to see, you know, on a more global scale. So now I have probably the most significant example and this is actually the example that was used in Dr Luke's TED talk and this was the Kiobel versus Rural Dutch Shell which happened in 90 I cannot remember the date but quite a few decades back so what was being protested against was um well, there was a peaceful protest against the aggressive oil develop- development in the Ogoni Niger River Delta and the surrounding environment and People were not happy of how Royal Dutch Shell were operating in their area. And more or less what happened is they were peacefully protesting about it. You know, we see protests. We don't really see much peaceful protests now. You know, protests are on a much more kind of um, aggressive scale. So they were peacefully protesting against it. And the Ogoni Nine, which is actually um, a group of some of the protesters, they were executed as a crime or as a punishment for their peaceful protest. So, the case didn't stop there. Under the alien tort statute, and just to define that, this is actually a law that allows foreign citizens to seek solutions in US courts for human rights violations for conduct committed, or for conduct, conduct, conduct committed outside of um, USA. So I'm just going to refer to it as ATS for short, just so you don't get confused. So under the ATS, the case was actually brought to court in America and then it eventually reached the Supreme Court in 2012. And, you know, the outcome wasn't 
necessarily the best outcome because the Supreme Court said that they would not apply the ATS, ATS extraterritorially and the case was dismissed, so no justice was brought to those affected and, you know, to those who were executed, which is disappointing because if it was, then it could have been another leap to, like, similar to the PepsiCo, it could have been another leap to um, you know, corporate humanity, almost, you know, corporations taking responsibility for their actions and, you know, actually working to preserve human rights and make sure that they are held up and prioritised. So next, you know, I guess we're going to look at why corporations are okay in these countries because this whole corporation exploitation is a social issue that I think is more dominant and more common in third world countries, you know, the nicks and the licks and the knees of the world, you know, countries that are not super forces in the world. So I think, you know, it's pretty obvious one of the major reasons why they locate there is because, you know, cheaper wages. So the more money they can save, the more profit they can make. It's cheaper to practice in these countries. There are less environmental, actually, laws and regulations in these third world countries. It makes their kind of practices and like, it makes it, it makes it easier because one thing about, um, you know, like production is often the the quickest ways to produce things are often the ones that are worse for the environment and for people and those are the ones that these countries don't really have any regulations against which is why you know people the capitalists who really run these big corporations you know they're drawn to work in these countries and what is worrying is why are they able to exploit them so i was thinking about this earlier and you know these countries that they're operating these third world countries are often countries that have a history of being exploited and having their own rights abused through imperialism, you know, through colonisation, etc. Therefore, their understanding of how humans should be fairly treated and, you know, their whole comprehension of human rights is either, you know, vastly different to the kind of Western, you know, European states idea. And not just not necessarily Western, is, is different to, you know, former um, colonial powers such as, you know, the UK, America, France, etc. And it's either that or it's that them, so excuse me, or it's that they just have this understanding, but it's not as strongly as enforced as compared to the UK, again, as an example. Therefore, this is why corporations are able to abuse it so much and why it's such an issue in these countries because if they don't themselves have an understanding of what human rights truly is or they don't strongly enforce it enough it is more likely that it will be abused and exploited and especially in the case where we've seen um the Kiobo versus Royal Dutch the way that case was handled you know those those nine the Ogoni nine who were executed they were executed by Nigerian authorities themselves you know their own country and it says you know it's like wow like they have little a little voice in their own domestic country so that's i guess why and that's the basis of what the ats was actually formed off of you know where people couldn't seek justice domestically it was a way to you know go internationally and get justice but again in Bell case justice was still not delivered and this supreme court ruled that the ats could not be applied extraterritorially extraterritorially and i'm sorry if this is all sounding like a lot of big a big um you know a lot of words coming out not making any sense but um I hope you're still with me i hope you understand so yeah 
This is why corporations are so easily able to exploit rights in other countries and it's not fair, you know, anyone with more comforts will see, but then in such a world dominated by capitalism, it is really, it's actually quite a battle in these third world countries too. Well, not, no, not in the third world countries, it's a battle in general for, you know, corporations to see past the money and see that, you know, people need to be prioritised and the environment needs to be prioritised and protected too, you know, profit comes second. And this then leads us on to, you know, actually, you know, looking into answering how do we solve corporation exploitation, you know, preventing it. And that, again, this idea stems from Luke's, Dr Luke's TED talk, and that is, you know, corporate humanity. So we mentioned in the um, PepsiCo and Kerala case that the fact that, you know, Pepsi, PepsiCo actually took accountability for their actions and, you know, reformed the way in which they worked and practised and that, you know, that was them actually gaining corporate humanity and corporate humanity, I want to remember that, is, you know, key to solving this problem. You know, actually, it prevents, it prevents you know, capitalism being placed over, like I said, the rights of people in the environment and um yeah i think it's very much necessary so just to define what corporate humanity actually is just you know in my um best way it's basically making a making a corporation uh, sorry in my head i was just thinking i was going to say making a corporation more humane i was thinking you can't use the words to define what you know <laughs> doesn't make sense so it's basically when corporations are you know acting i guess from my understanding, in a more moral manner, you know, being able to take responsibility for when they've been wrong, when their practices have been unethical, immoral, and actually working to improve them for the betterment of people in the environment. And that there is the key to stop corporations exploiting workers in the environment, you know, understandably. If they're able to see that what they're doing is harmful and actually work to prevent it, and preserve the rights of humans that will stop kind of the undermining element that corporate personhood embedded into you know the way they work and will actually undo that and will actually promote human rights more and environmental rights etc etc and that is the way to you know that's the way that's the best way forward (laughs) that's what we need so um today's podcast slightly shorter a little bit more serious note because i do feel quite passionate about you know I really do not like the way that you know the the kind of developing countries or you know like third world countries I don't really like the way they're treated in the world it's very unfair and I feel like it almost adheres to kind of outdated outdated standards of how the world was previously ruled especially during times of imperialization you know we're we're abusing you know, big powers are abusing these people with no right to claim, no nothing, and it's almost just being allowed, especially with the um, Supreme Court's decision to, in the Kiobel case, to, you know, not bring justice. You know, the, that's what the ATS was created for, for people that couldn't get justice, essentially for people that couldn't get justice domestically to seek it in an international way, and now it's kind of, they're saying that you can't use it, you know, extraterritorially, and it's just... It's disappointing, but, you know, if this is what this platform's here for, you know, I'm shedding light on something that I think needs to be, you know, shared more, talked about more and more attention bought. And then, you know, every little helps at the end of the day. 
So thank you guys for listening. Again, I apologise if it sounded like I was just waffling from time to time. It was not my intention. (laughs) But I do hope that you enjoyed today's podcast and that you took something from it. You know, you talk about it as well. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. See you very, very soon.